Thanks for tuning in to the Ecom Growth Leaders podcast. This show is intended to highlight marketing and conversion techniques taught by today's leaders in the ecom world. I'll be interviewing the top marketers that are influencing the market, making an impact, scaling faster than their competitors, and doing good. I'm your host, Samir al Kamuni, founder and CEO of Fetch and Funnel, a performance marketing agency specializing in omni-channel media buying, creative production, and conversion optimization. If you enjoy anything from today's episode, I highly recommend checking out fetchfunnel.com and sign up for our email newsletter where I promise to only send you content you can learn from and apply directly into your business to improve results and scale. At the end of each episode, my goal is to have you feeling inspired and fired up by learning from today's top innovators, marketers, and entrepreneurs. Let's dig into another amazing story about a unique brand crushing it and learn from their success and learnings. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Ecom Growth Leaders. Today, we have a super exciting episode where we are going to be talking to Damon Levy at Caveman Foods. Welcome, Damon. Super excited to have you on Ecom Growth Leaders. Very excited to be here, Samir. So, love to just jump right in and just have you tell a little bit more about our audience about Caveman Foods and and what you sell and what the brand is all about. Yeah, Caveman's uh, Caveman's a really fun brand. It's a a brand that's focused on paleo. I'll kind of you know, if you think about it, a little bit obvious, right? So our uh, our we're built on the paleo concept. So that means you are avoiding grains, anything really processed. Like, so um, that for us means like soy, gluten, grains, dairy. Um, We avoid things like peanuts and uh, potatoes, pretty much the principles of of the paleo diet. And then I think the thing that really sets us apart is that we, we have a really high bar in terms of what the, how delicious our products have to be. And I think that, I think that that's, I think pretty much everybody says that in the food industry, right? Nobody's making intentionally making things that don't taste good. Right. Yeah. But um, that's essentially what customers feed back to us. So when we talk to customers, we, and especially customers who are like anybody who repeats the, the number one reason by like a landslide is that we taste better than everything else they've tried because they all are trying. These are people who are like trying to find snack solutions, right? They want on the go snack solutions and they've gone through the gamut of everything and they can't find anything that they really love. And we are, we fill that need. And so um, we make everything from bars and almond coconut is our most popular flavor to meat snacks, to grain-free granola. Um, we just launched keto bars, which are specifically for the keto, the ketogenic diet, which is super popular right now. Um, we still follow the paleo diet while we make those, which, which is very difficult. So it's a tough combo to make the two of those. Um, yeah. but yeah, that's, uh, that's the gist of caveman. And, um, we've been around about 10 years. Um, and uh, yeah, you can find us in some retail. We do direct consumer, Amazon, all that stuff. That's awesome. Yeah, and I, I saw all the positive reviews and definitely saw some of those reviews where people sort of replaced some, you know, sweet that they were addicted to or whatnot for Caveman. So yeah, yeah props to you for accomplishing that. Definitely has the right flavor choices in order to make that happen. The, the most, most common one is people talking about this bar, this coconut almond bar. They will, we, with that, we, this was one of those signs where you like, we actually didn't set out to make it like this. Um, we were just trying to make a, a chocolate almond, co- you know, almond coconut bar. But we have people literally saying this tastes like a healthy version of Almond Joy, and yeah, and it's kind of like oh, so yeah, so we we we've we've run with that. We could talk more about how we played with that in advertising, but um, but yeah, that's that's that that's really what our goal is. It's really trying to help people to make healthier choices because people still snack. People still want things that 
um, that kind of kill their cravings and and feel indulgent. And but but the thing you kind of hear from people all the time is they don't want to feel guilty about what they snack on. And yep. so that's that's I think that that's I wouldn't call that a mission because that's not not really like our our north star. But that tends to be kind of what we're trying to accomplish is trying to help people find snacks that that they really enjoy, but don't make them feel guilty afterwards. Hey, that's awesome. And so what is your role at Caveman Foods? Uh, I run everything digital. So um, yeah, like every, the, I kind of have an all-encompassing digital role. So I own the P&L. So I own everything from the, the website. I, it's a small team. And so I, you know, I, I, I build stuff on the website um, and I run all of our advertising and marketing. And then I manage the operational side of fulfillment and all that stuff, 3PLs and Amazon and all that stuff. Uh, we, we don't really engage with like Instacart or a lot of like digital stuff to support our retail. It's, it's most of what we do is, is, either direct consumer or Amazon from a marketing standpoint. Uh, and so that tends to be where I focus. Nice. And so I saw a very impressive marketing background. You've sort of been in the food or let's wine yeah. industry for a while. Um, I guess, how did you get into, into it or, or how, what, you know, what, what kind of drew you to caveman or, or what, what, yeah. How, what got you to, uh, a little bit about your story and, and what, what brought you there? Yeah, I, I think that the, the short answer is um, I tend to like work on products that I, that I enjoy and appreciate. And um, I think that like the, the question I often ask myself before I look at uh, roles or companies is, is this something I'd be excited to share with people I know? Um, and so, um, so yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I, I worked in wine for a while. Um, I was super passionate about wine and enjoyed that quite a bit. Um, but um, the, when I was, this was about seven or eight years ago, um, at the time, wine was just so resistant to moving into the digital world. It was just, and, and, I, and I was trying to do it really for, I was in wine for like six years and it was just like a, it, it was clear that it was just going to go down kicking and screaming. Um, still, still is. It still is. It's, it, now <laughs> at least it's like, now it's accepted. It's still, it's still kind of like the, it's like the, it's the stepbrother that, um, that is super successful. And so people you know, like <laughs> the stepbrother that, that you know, like started a, you know, like a com and has made billions. <laughs> and so everybody now yeah. likes it, but doesn't really like it. Um, that's probably how wine thinks about digital these days. Um, and there's a lot of, but there's, I think there's a lot more smart people in wine that work on digital. And so, um, it's, I think it's a little bit more accepted. Uh, but at the time, like I was, I was moving from one role to another and I was like, I really want to work in the digital side of marketing. It's just, the pace is just so much more, it's so much more fun. You're, you're just, you just can do so much more. And so I made that choice and then um, I ended up going to another, a non-food company, but then wanted to get back to food, found Lollipops, which was a cool company, super passionate customer base. And then, um, and then Caveman drew me in because similar stuff, um, really passionate customers, super high, super high NPS, wasn't being measured when I joined, but it was clear from all of the ways that people talked about it. Um, and yeah, and so I, I was drawn to it because A, um, super, super smart people, B, uh, products that I could get behind and C, products that customers loved. Makes your job a lot easier when you have happy customers and, and people who are passionate about the product, <laughs> right? Said like a marketing expert, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Too good. Um, so I'm curious, you said in charge of P&Ls, all of these components of, of digital, a lot of pieces that you just laid out, curious how you define success at, at, at caveman and sort of how is it measured in, in your sort of day to day? Um, I, I think it, uh, that's a question that depends entirely for every single company based on their, 
what their their I think it de- it depends on for that company where they are from an in a capital standpoint and a growth expectation standpoint, all those things. For us, um, we're trying to figure out how to become like self-sustaining and, and cash flow positive. So I care about ROAS on, on ads and lifetime value of customers. Um, I'm, I'm just, I'm trying to figure out that equation that I think probably so many other digital marketers are trying to figure out was how do I, how do I acquire a customer in a way that's going to be most profitable for caveman ultimately? And then how do I, how, how do I manage that equation to scale it? Because, you know, as, as you know, um, with, in the food world, uh, that first transaction, it's very hard to, to make, to be profitable in that first transaction. It's, it's yep. I mean, people, people who are new to your brand, they're not dropping 150, $200 like you might in, on a, on clothing or, uh, technology or something like that. And so, um, so it's, you got to be planning to get them to come back. And that's, that's, that's the key part of what we do is like, how do we, how are we constantly trying to figure out how to increase our repeat customer percentages um, and our lifetime value? And we started off in a good place. Um, and so it's more just like, how do you just keep dialing it up a little bit? Makes sense. Yeah. And, and super difficult hurdle, like you're saying, right? Lower price point, but then also if I've never tried this, am I willing to buy a box or am I willing to buy multiple products? Yeah. What, what, what gets me to push over the edge? So yeah, not, uh, I understand very difficult problem to solve. Yeah. We, we, I, before I joined caveman, so this was probably four years ago, they tried a, a program where they, they did a trial pack essentially. And, um, and I think that they're, you know, we've, we've played with different ways to do that same thing, but, um, but it's, it's challenging because it, because if you, when you do sampling or trial packs and stuff like that, you just don't get that high of a percentage of people to convert. And so you've got to find this, but if you set your, your bar too high in terms of what people have to pay on their first transaction, you can't get, you get very low number of people interested. So you've got to find that happy mini medium for new customers. Like how do you get them in with some skin in the game so that they're real potential customers, but then how do you still like, but then you still have to extract a lot more value from them. If you don't extract, if, if they don't pay a lot in their first purchase. Yeah. makes sense. Makes sense. But done correctly. sounds like what you are can get that loyal customer, which could be harder in other food industries, say coffee or something like that. Can be very difficult. Yeah. Uh, even wine, I think, could probably be a, a difficult one. They're, they're actually those three industries are all similar in in the sense that they have lots of competition um, and lots of switching, right? Like, and that's I think that's like that's what we all that's what a lot of the food industry is so hard hard is that there's not that much loyalty, um, and so that's you've got to really have a great product in order to have a chance at it. And that's, so that's good. So we, we have got that piece covered, but still it's, it's still hard because people are, um, they just like to try new stuff. Still- yeah. And you have to be careful. <laughs> right. Right. And you have to be careful too, because I mean, we were talking about this earlier, but um, being careful of not, trying to please everybody at the same time as well, because I'm sure you've, you've got so many objections that you're trying to handle, but if you go too far into one direction, you know, price point or whatever, then, then you miss out on, on going, yeah, going even deeper on a much better (laughs) objection, you know, that you, if you handled could have just gotten you a lot more customers. Um, right. Like, obviously you're going after paleo, obviously you're going after now keto and things like that. But, yeah, there, I'm sure there's so many other components to that. So many other objections you're trying to handle. You yeah. can't be everything to everybody. Yeah. Yep. I mean, there's yep. eventually that's what food brands want to be. But when you're a nascent food brand, you can't do that. You know, Heinz ketchup, they can do that. You know, Pepsi and Coke, they can do that. Um, even they probably have targets. But but if you're a nascent food brand, I think that if I was advising you know, entrepreneurs, like one of the 
that one of the key things you have to do, and a lot of them do this naturally because of like the way that they formulated the, the idea or whatever it is, is you have to know who you're going after and what their mindset is. Because if you don't have somebody in mind every time that you're creating a product or creating marketing, you're 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 going to often get lost. Yep, absolutely. Great advice. So curious too, like what would you consider to be your, your biggest success so far? It could be more than one or, you know, have you had any specific breakthroughs, anything like that? Well, we've had things that have been really successful. Like we figured out that we can run like the best time of year for us to acquire customers is actually around Halloween. Um, we, that has been our, like, that's been our best customer acquisition time, which is a little bit strange. Um, like, obviously it's, you, you think that my going in assumption would have been that January, February would be the best time because that's when people are thinking about diets and stuff like that. Um, but through just a little bit of luck, we tried some some specific advertising seasonal stuff that we did um, when, the first year I was with Caveman. And it just, it was like, like that time, the, like in digital marketing, when you hit that like vein of gold and you're like, what what's going on here? Like, why is why why we why did our cost of acquisition why did our CAC drop by like eighty percent overnight? And so um, the 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 challenge of that is we haven't figured out how to replicate it any other time of year. It's that specific like Halloween time frame. And um, so I don't know if anybody listens to this and has ideas for uh, <laughs> for ways that we could. We could replicate that, but it really, that, that was, that's been interesting. Um, but really the thing that from a success standpoint, that's, um, that's helped us to just on a, like, I would say just month after month improve and just like the constant improvement has been, uh, just constantly working on repeat and LTV because, um, there are times when you're, when, when you hit challenges that make those things hard, that make repeat hard, maybe you discontinue a product. Um, maybe you, um, maybe you have to change a formula for a product. Maybe you have to, maybe, um, maybe go out of stock for a couple of months because of supply issues. And those things like, it's like, it's like throwing obstacles in front of your LTV equation. Right. Um, and so I think that probably like the thing I'm most proud of for what we've done is just constantly improved repeat rates and LTVs to the point where we're probably LTV is probably, and it's it's LTV. You can't, we can't really look at a a true LTV because we don't have enough historical data to look back at it, but trends Mm -hmm. tend to indicate that LTV is up like 30, 40% um, over the past couple of years. And that's, Wow, which is huge. I mean that you know that's not the type of you know like you know like that that CAGR growth is not the type of thing that you would you don't that you always would assume is super meaningful, but it is. It's really it changes like the equation for everything. Oh yeah, absolutely. No, that's thirty, forty percent. That's huge. Um yeah, the Halloween thing too. Very interesting. I wonder if it's like a FOMO type of situation, like with the kids or something. You know, you don't want to dig into the bag. You know, you don't want to dig into the bag and all those sweets, and you instead well, like, like with something you, a little healthier. It's really interesting because, like I told you, the um, the audience for us is primarily um, older for most of the year. It's mm-hmm. mostly people who are over fifty. Um, they that's primarily who loves caveman. Um, and that makes a lot of sense because those are the people who they grew up on unhealthy snacks. They ate unhealthy things. You think of your grandparents, like they ate mm-hmm. like all those packaged candy bars and they're being told now, you know, like they want to live longer. They're being told by the doctors, well, you know, like you've got to stop eating all these things that are you know, full of artificial stuff and way too much sugar. And so they're looking for healthier snacks. And so it totally makes sense, you know, because because 20-somethings either just don't care or they're religiously against sugar already. So it's, they don't make sense. And, 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 uh, and people in their 30s tend to like follow much, or have the discipline to follow much more strict diets. And so that tends to be our audience. And for Halloween, 
um, the audience still seems to be older. And I'm not sure why they're buying it around Halloween specifically. I don't think that they're giving it out, even though that's part of our marketing. Um, I think that they're really just trying to find, you know, like they're trying to kind of like find an, a healthier alternative because they're, because they have like the guilt of like having pocket-sized Snicker bars all over the place. Getting slammed with Reese's commercials all day long. Yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't slam Reese's because I love Reese's, but. <laughs> Same, but you're still getting hit with them really hard during that month. You know the, you know the marketing they did, which was like, like they, a couple of years ago, they did that all that marketing, which essentially, which is like, you know, like when you gets down to it, you know, like what people really want at Halloween is Reese's. Like it's it's the candy that people actually want. Like it's the one that people want. <laughs> the kids want to trade for. Like you know, like yeah, there's always the Snickers lover, there's the Almond Joy lover, but like yeah, like the vo- the vocal majority is the is the Reese's Cup lover, <laughs> um, and you know. I mean, that's what kind of makes Justin's that brand so brilliant, right? It's like, yep. it's <laughs> there's no competition, and they're like, we can make a pretty good tasting, you know, like Reese's peanut butter cup that's got healthier because it's dark chocolate and almond butter, so it's not peanut allergy. And that's that's just kind of yep. like a, it's one of those like, well, duh, that was an obvious product idea, <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for but sure. Stuffs, uh, um, even though that they're they're definitely not part of the paleo diet. <laughs> same, same. So yeah, I mean, what what are some of the biggest growth levers that you've pulled for the business lately or over the years? Um, I think so. If I think about like growth levers for us, so um, so I, I guess that there's I'm, I'm trying to think of a few different things that I would call out. So. Um, one thing for us is really thinking about your spend based on when you can, when, when it makes sense to scale and when it doesn't. So spend it, like have your powder available when you know that there's the best opportunity. So have to spend as much as possible in September, October for us. And then November, December tend to be really difficult for us to acquire customers. So don't spend as much then. Then ramp back up in January, February. So that, like, even though it's not a very cyclical business in terms of consumption, there is a little bit of there's like cyclical cyclicalness or whatever the right word is for that um, around acquisition of customers. So um, that's something that's been an important lever. Um, we tend to, we've tried a lot of different channels. Um, we recently tried influencers, uh, not successful for us, paid influencers. Um, but we've done different sampling programs and lead gen stuff. And it's, um, it's kind of, it's, it's never crushed for us, but it always works a little bit. So we do giveaways and we do, um, we work with companies. There's a lot of companies that are popping up. They're doing different types of sampling and companies like Sampler. Uh, we're working with one called Peakage right now. Um, we're going to start working with one called Healthy Finds um, that are kind of like uh, that all get the 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 marketing insight for this is that customers who try our stuff are way more likely to purchase just because again because we taste better than they expect and so mm-hmm. anything we can do to get our product into people's hands is. At, at as low a cost as possible is worth it. So um, that's been something that we're constantly looking at. Um, we find way more success on the Facebook side than the Google side. Um, and then even within Facebook, Facebook works way more effectively than Instagram or um, anything else. Again, that's an audience thing, right? Older older folks are not. Yeah, the older demos. Older demos yeah. are not living on Instagram. Um, we've tested out TikTok and Snapchat and Pinterest and none of them really convert for us. They're all interesting for, you know, and they might be good for top of funnel awareness um, ultimately, but they none of them have really converted as, as well as the kind of the, the Facebook um, basic feed advertising. Um, 
so that those things, those things have all been like work for us. I think that um, we these days, um, I think it's it's really interesting. Um, you and I were talking a little bit about like creative, and we've we've tried to explore a lot of different creative directions, and what we end up finding is success. Um, is the stuff that resonates with our audience the most? Yeah, and it's like, okay, it, it does, and it doesn't have to be super interesting. Like we've we've gone out and sourced really high end um, video and stuff that we we've taken big risks there, and it hasn't paid off because at the end of the day, um, that's not really what draws the attention of our our consumers. They they just they want to be told very specifically what the, like that this is something that's going to solve their need from a snack perspective and is not going to make them feel guilty and it's good or it's going to kill their cravings. Like it's those insights. Um, and, um, and it's, and it's been a little bit challenging to, to convince or our organization that that is the right direction always because, um, cause they, cause it's not sexy. But yeah. sometimes that's what, what works. Um, so yeah, I, I, from a um, you know, Halloween you know, advertising and the creative around that was a super was a super interesting story. We were working with a contractor at the time, and she totally it's like totally like one of those like um, like like very like uh, like she just went and she took uh, stock art. And like photoshopped our bars into a bowl that was, that had something else in it, or it was like an empty bowl. And and it totally, if you look closely, it totally looks photoshopped. Like she did it and she gave it to me and she was like, "It's not done. What do you think?" And I just put it up and it just started working. And, <laughs> and she was like, "Well, yeah, it wasn't finished." I was like, "It works." <laughs> so um, yeah, and it was it was totally different than anything else that we had done. Um, so sometimes those successes come out of nowhere, and you, it in retrospect you, you understand why. But um, but yeah, seasonal stuff, seasonal content tends to work really well for us. Um, yeah, you know, that's an, one of the interesting insights for us. I think at the end of the day, you know, the, the success, the the successes for us have really been like um, figuring out how to test things as at as low as cost as possible, and so that we can figure out if they're if they're feasible or not. Um, I believe, I, I forgot what the concept is called, but that essentially you should be able to test almost anything in digital for like a thousand dollars. I like that. And, um, and so we try to do that. Like how do, how do we test, how, how do we test something um, as close as possible to a thousand dollars to get an answer? And if we can, if we can do that, then you can, you as, as a small company, you can, you should be able to still justify anything like that. Um, and, uh, and so that's, that tends to be like, like the, the success for us is like, okay, the things that do work like sampling, we've been able to test it without having to spend a lot of money. And then we just keep doing it. Yeah. Makes sense. So testing super important. Don't be afraid to test things. Oh, yeah. Don't be afraid to break things, throw it up. Even if it's not perfect, right? Even if it's not completely polished, just test it out. But then if it's, if it's working, don't be afraid to continue using that thing. Like you said, it's just some of those basic images that you've had for a long time that are crushing it versus the expensive videos that you've, you know, had produced that, that were really, you know, crafted well and, and tell a great story. Yeah. And, um, but then also the spend, I think that's a very interesting component too, that a lot of, a lot of e-commerce businesses lose sight of, right? Cause we're always thinking scale, 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 got to spend more next month than I did the previous month, right? Got to get more revenue than the, than the previous month. But to your point, like pretty much every e-commerce business has seasonality, right? Even the, even Facebook has seasonality, right? Yeah. And so can you even compete in the November and December auctions is a, is an interesting conversation for a lot of brands these days, right? And, um, and part of that, one of the things that I think that we're, that we learned over time is like planning a little bit of that seasonality into like how you do repeat as well and how aggressive you are with your promotions on repeat. So for example, December is a really tough time to acquire customers. There's just so much, no obvious, so much noise and all that stuff. 
Um, and so we're just much more aggressive from a promotional standpoint in December because we do still want to comp you know, like as much revenue as possible. Everybody, yeah. you know, like everybody's got a, a CEO or a board or you know, like investor that's like, well, you can't have a down month, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, some, you know, but sometimes down months happen. And so I'm not saying that, but I'm saying, you know, so you, you can think like, okay, well, like if I, I really need to, I need to spend as much as possible in September, October and fill that cut, that repeat customer funnel, because most people are going to come back within 90 days. And so then I've got a lot more people to target in November, December. Um, so I think that you, you just, you think about that cycle. I mean, we have, uh, I think that it's good to think about what your model looks like and like, you know, plan out your, your lifetime value mo- model and think about it from a monthly standpoint. There's some cool tools out there. You know, like we use this tool called, I don't know, you know like, um, called Lifetimely, um, which is just like, love, love Lifetimely. Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I've talked to the guy who's, who started it a few times cause he's so generous with his time. Um, and it's like such a good tool. Like, you know, when I was at Minted, which was a much bigger business digitally, you know, like it's like a nine figure business. Um, <laughs> essentially it was like, like we, it was like our CFO sitting with our like head of analytics, like running, like, you know, like these like lifetime value models, right. That I don't think were more complex than this plugin for, <laughs> and these were very smart people that were that were running that model um and so yeah that, i think that that's that's um i think you're making a good point and sorry i i i ran i talked about it a lot but i think that understanding that lifetime value and thinking about your planning out your like what your revenue looks like is something that's totally feasible even if you're small yeah no and it's super important because yeah, a lot of even our our clients and and a lot of brands that that we've worked with or, or or I've spoken with don't measure that, and it feels obvious for a brand like yours because it's consumable, right? And it's a low price point, all those types of things. But like, you know, it's in every brand, right? Fashion, shoes, you name it, right? It's like, yeah, you, that you can lose money on the front end. It's the whole entire Dollar Shave Club model, yeah. right? Lose money on the front end to make a bunch of money after four month four or whatever it is, and then it's just giving the the right customer experience, et cetera, et cetera, in order to get them to to come back and and keep buying. And then to your point, it keep keep them coming back, yeah. and keep them coming back, keep them coming yeah. back. Yeah, our next, our, I think our, our 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 big next big evolution on the on the repeat side and retention side is trying to figure out how do we get better at subscriptions yeah yeah because uh we've done okay but i think that but if we can build a subscription program which yeah is is a little bit more scaled then there's a lot more you can do with it and then you can if you can you can scale your subscription program to a little bit bigger um then there's a lot of customization stuff you can do for the customers. You know, like you can do special, special runs of products and things like that. Um, and our scale right now doesn't allow us to do very much. And so if we can figure out how to do that, I'd be excited. Yeah. Yep. I, uh, I have like a skincare brand that I use and, it's like those silly gifts that they throw in there every couple of months that keeps me coming back. Like, when am I, I going to get? Yeah. I think there's there's a company out there that does a pretty good job at this kind of stuff on the subscription side, but um, but you have to have a little bit more scale to work with them. And so maybe that, that's one of those areas that maybe some companies could come in and innovate on. They'll figure out how to how to serve brands that do subscriptions that have smaller scale. You know, like they. I think that I've talked to them and they're like, yeah, if you're under 2000, it's pretty hard to do stuff that's very personalized and custom. So maybe one day there will be a, a company that comes in and, and figures out how to help brands that are doing 500 subscriptions a month or something like that. Yeah. Here we are opening up new opportunities for other people to start businesses. Love it. it. it is, it's definitely uh, an opportunity out there. There's, there's not, there's, there's obviously been a huge amount of, um, uh, evolution and uh, I'm forgetting the word right now, but um, like uh, people breaking through in the 3PL area, 
and mm-hmm. like and companies coming in and you know, and doing and trying to break that model. Uh, uh, but I don't think anybody's really focused on the subscription side of it. Yeah, agreed. I mean, even just Shopify alone, right? There's a million subscription services, but I'd say there's only one that sort of matters out of them all, yeah. right? There's, there's, yeah, there's, there's essentially what? There's like two, there's two apps that that own almost the entire market share for Shopify subscriptions. And then, and, uh, and we're switching from one to the other right now. Um, and Interesting. And, um, and then there's like one that's more custom that's not as plugged in. Uh, and that's pretty much it. And none, and yeah. none of those three really help you do very much on the fulfillment side, which is really the way the, the place, I mean, think about it. Like, like you just said, Samir, like the thing that wows you from that brand, that skincare brand is like the little things that they throw in there to, that you didn't order. And that's like the, that, that's the, that's the crazy thing. It's like, if you can figure out how to do that, that's the. That's the thing that makes people even more loyal. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they make a good skincare product too, yeah. but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yep. it definitely was that silly t-shirt I got month three that I still wear and is free marketing for them. And I know exactly what they're doing, but I still fell right into their trap. <laughs> that's like, that's the thing that like, we have no way of doing that right now because yeah, I'm sure we could figure out how to write it into like the, yeah, do something on the back end, but then like, we don't, we are working at 3PL that where we can't do like custom packing out. And so it would probably be impossible to figure out how to work with them on it. So, mm-hmm. uh, that integrated subscription software fulfillment is, um, is, is a nice space to anyway, not, really yeah, I mean, specifically. It, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so I mean, curious, like as you're talking about trying to get more subscription and, and obviously we've talked about sort of the target demographic that you know, that you have, are you paying close attention to store conversion rate and, and is, you know, conversion rate optimization, a high priority for you in the business? Like are you AB testing things? What does that look like for you? That's a great question. Um, and it's so interesting, like, um, you know, when you, and we, I don't spend a lot of time on it, um, and it's because our conversion rate is so high. Um, we have we have such high conversion rates, even from Facebook traffic. Um, and maybe I should still be thinking about how do I make it better. Um, but there's a couple of things that, like in this business, that like I, that I've I've never spent a lot of time on because we because we're so far beyond what I generally expect of assume are like the benchmarks. So mm-hmm. conversion rate, we crush like any place that I've been before. Um, and abandoned cart, we just, we've never had an abandoned cart issue. Now we actually tried something because there's a, there's a company called Metrical, um, which I really like, which I've worked with in a prior company and they were super helpful in terms of reversing our, our abandoned cart issues. Um, and so uh, when I moved to Caveman, I was like, well, we got to work with them. And we tried and it was like, we just couldn't get enough like, lift in abandoned cart to to make it worth it um not because they weren't doing a good job but, but just because like we didn't have that much room and so um i don't spend a ton of time thinking about cro um not to say that there's there are things that we do that are about improving cro um but uh i care a lot more i if i could get more traffic i wouldn't care if my conversion rate dropped a little bit and so I, sure. I I live in more of the world where it's hard to get attention, and so mm-hmm. um, much more, much more. I think a lot more about how do I get traffic than I do about the conversion side of the equation. Not saying that yeah, that's right, the back but end that for us is the is the truth. Yep, and and the back end, like you were talking about, increasing lifetime value, increasing subscription. Yeah, it makes sense. I care yeah. more about the like my things are all like how do I get trip traffic cheaper. And then how do I get people to repeat more? Yep. Yep. So curious, what, what excites you the most in the year ahead, either, you know, in the e-com industry or, or within your own marketing? Um, well, I, I think that, <clears throat> I mean, I think that the disruption, you know, around Facebook, iOS opens opportunities. And so I'm kind of excited to see what that is. And I, 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 
I'm guessing you're probably in the same camp as I am. You know, that attribution problem is still not solved. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen this year, but that's definitely like an exciting thing that I'm hoping somebody is working on. And especially with you know, the issues with iOS, I think that you know, if anybody can, anybody can put together a better way of thinking about attribution for Shopify type businesses, not, I mean, if you're a huge business, you can, there's a lot more you can do. Um, Mm-hmm. But I think that that's an interesting area. Um, I think for us at Caveman, um, I think that yeah, we're excited about these keto bars um, that we launched. Um, we're entering a space. Paleo is interesting because, you know, I, I probably shouldn't say this, but paleo is not on trend right now. I think anybody, it's pretty, mm-hmm. that's, that's, it's, it's not the trendy diet right now. Um, and so, um, so nobody's writing about it. There's not a lot of people, write, you know, I don't get press inquiries saying, oh, can you tell me about this paleo thing? Um, and so uh, I'm excited. We're excited about keto because we didn't, we didn't uh, leave our principles in terms of paleo. And I still think we made a really delicious product that meets the needs of, of a diet that's maybe on the tail end of a trend, but it's definitely still very popular. Um, so I'm very excited about that. Um, I'm excited. We, we decided to bring our, um, our paid, our, like our paid social and paid, uh, PPC stuff in-house. Um, and I am strangely excited to do that just as from like the learning piece of it and just being in it. I haven't been in like Facebook on a, like in like in it in the same depth, uh, as I am now for a long time. Uh, and so that's kind of fun. I, I think it's, um, and we're doing, we're doing really well right now. Um, we're maybe just because we're spending more time than we have in the past. And so it's kind of fun to see the success, um, when you're just, you're sitting there and you're AB testing and you're, you're tweaking little things. Um, I'm hopeful that we figure out some creative, some new creative that works. Um, as you and I were talking, like sometimes like. Sometimes you get a piece of creative that just doesn't want to, that doesn't want to lose in the Facebook algorithm. Um, and so uh, we've been working with a, a content person for a few months uh, and she's really good. She's, she's does a really great job of developing content um, as a freelancer. You know, like she's gotten to know our brand very quickly. And so, um, so I'm excited that we might be able to, I'm, uh, we're actually very close to being able to, to do, to get profitable on the first transaction, um, which we talked a lot about how hard that was, how hard that is. Yeah. Um, but we're very close to being able to figure that out. And I don't know if we can scale it, but I'm excited to get there and then figure out if there's ways to scale it. Yeah, that would be amazing. Yeah, yeah obviously that's the, that's the, that's the ideal thing for a small brand because then you, you're not capital constrained. Yeah. Especially with the low price point too. Very, yeah. Can be very difficult. I mean, unless it's a super clickbaity, you know, don't need to think about it type of purchase. Right. But, but for you, it, there's a lot of things I'm thinking about, right. I'm going to check the ingredients. I'm going to see, you know, does it taste good? There's a lot of objections that you have to handle and then, yeah. And, and then, and then, it's still a low price point, right? Even if buy a box, it's still a low price exactly. point. So unless you're a brand like Magic Spoon, which is just like kind of like perfect product, perfect timing, that just kind of like that hit it in the, the right way, I think it's really hard to do. Um, so, yeah. And then we've got some other, we've got another product launching in a couple months that I'm excited about. Um, we do a good amount of innovation here. And so that, that's, that keeps it interesting as well. Super exciting. I've given a, a bunch of awesome advice, really great tips here. Curious, just on the last note, what advice would you give to, to other founders, other marketers out there that are, are, sort of, are trying to break through some of those, maybe those revenue marks, right? Maybe trying to break through the 5 million, the 20 million, uh, whatever it is. What advice would you give them? Um, I think that I, I mentioned it before. I'll go back to it because I still think it's the crux is like, Figure out who is that, who is the customer, and um, and how many of those people do you have to get in order to get to that revenue target you're trying to reach, and is that 
seem reasonable? Like, just like do that sniff test. Like, okay, like, and can I find them? Like, do I, do I know how to find these people? Like, just that like basic, like I, I grew up in like, I'm, I'm old from digital marketing. And like, and when I started doing marketing, I was doing brand marketing and it's the, but it's the same thing. It's like, okay, who do you, like, who are you targeting? What, where do you find them? Like how, what convinces them to try your product? And just yeah, starting there is so important. Um, and then I, I think that it's important to try a lot of channels out. I think it's important to just, if you can come up with a hypothesis for that channel, why it makes sense, I think you should try it and try to figure out how to do it cheap. Um, cause you can always spend more and improve it, but figure out how to do it cheap. And you know, like, like if you want to do sampling, how do you figure out how to, how do you figure out how to do it as cheaply as possible? Um, and then, um, I think that, uh, I mean, I, so my general advice is just, is spending a ton of time with customers. So I do a lot, I spend a lot of time like in like our customer support, like software, like in, like we use, we use gorgeous, like probably a lot of people for like customer service. And I spend a ton of time in gorgeous, like sometimes like, I try not to respond to cases. I try to leave that to the team that's working on that, but like reading what people are saying um, and and I, I think it's just, it's super valuable um, being close to that customer and uh, understanding where, where the, you know, it helps you to think about all different types of problems, you know, like whether it's an acquisition problem or a repeat problem. Um, I, it's really, I don't, I don't think it can be overrated. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, even the banded cart surveys, the Facebook comments, all of those things are, are, can be gold mines, right? You can find just that couple of comments, you start to see some trends, all that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where, yeah, you can have your aha moment. And, and even like we were talking about earlier, right? Find out which, what, yeah, what, what, what should you be trying to handle? What you, what should you be ignoring? Because those are, those aren't your actual customers, right? Those are just the people that are loud yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, don't want to focus on them because they've only bought one box and never bought more than yeah. one box ever. <laughs> so a funny, we, I, I guess, I think it's funny, but I don't know if everybody else will, but we ran this ad where the opening line, it was, it was, it was a video with our CEO and his opening line was, um, cavemen may have been the healthiest people who ever walked this earth. And, um, <laughs> and then he talked for another like 30 seconds after that. And, um, and we got so much engagement on that compared to our normal ads and posts. And it was all, it was mostly like, pro I'm guessing like 35 to 50 year old men, like just disagree, like just, Doing doing this the social media disagreement thing, um, but these weren't people who were going to buy from us. But it was still interesting to see because it also still got the Facebook algorithm excited because there was engagement. So they yeah you know, it lowered our CPMs on it, right? You know, so yeah. so it was good. But it was it, the engagement. You know, had to be like heavily policed because it was like you know it, it wasn't people who really were like interested in the brand. They just wanted to debate that one fact. Um, and so, yeah, I think that stuff's interesting, but yeah, I, I'm also just excited to keep learning. You know, like, I think that there's, I, I'm, I'd love, I'd love to keep learning about new channels that might work. Um, you know, we've played with a lot of like alternative channels, like, uh, like wholesale channels, like fair or abound. Um, like we have like this partnership with the company that like, that does, I think that's like the media company that does like men's health where they're doing like an affiliate type of business. Mm. So like stuff like that, I'm always like curious to learn more about and try out um, because you never know if they'll kind of be like the next little thing that adds 5% to your business. Yeah, makes sense. Well, David, I, I appreciate the time. I, I appreciate the advice. I, I urge everybody to, to check out Caveman Foods. It's just cavemanfoods.com. Awesome product. Yeah. 
Um, look forward to, to seeing the new stuff coming out as well. And the, the tease for the new stuff coming around in a couple of months. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't trying to be that teasing, but yeah, we, you know, I, I talked a lot about, you know, I get being people who are mostly 15 over who love it, but, but people, all people, everyone seems, tends to love our products. Um, and so if you're, if you're a snacker, then you probably will like our stuff. It just happens that, uh, the people who are older tend to love their snacks a little bit more than people who are younger. <laughs> younger <laughs> That's okay. Younger. I love my snacks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love that little taste of chocolate at night. Not going to lie. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, <laughs> everyone does. I think that, uh, older people just don't give a damn as much. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. <laughs> They're not trying to impress anybody anymore. They're like, you know what? Yep. Like, I'm, I'm worth this little, 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 little healthy candy bar. You got it. Thank you, Samir. It's nice well, to talk I appreciate to you. It. you. You have super insightful questions. You as well. Thanks, Damon. Yeah. And uh, yeah, look forward to, to seeing the new products. And thanks again. Appreciate Sounds it. Great. Have a good night. Samir El Kamuni here. Thank you so much for listening to Ecom Growth Leaders podcast. If you are a successful brand that is crushing it and would like to be on this program, please visit go.ecomgrowthleaders.com slash podcast dash guest. If you got something out of this interview, please share this episode on social media. Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on social. Ecom Growth Leaders is sponsored by Fetch and Funnel a performance marketing agency specializing in omni-channel media buying, creative production, and conversion optimization. We've partnered with 100 plus brands and generated over 500 million for clients using our trademarked Fetch and Funnel method. We have tons of content over our, at our blog, fetchfunnel.com blog, and also some amazing eBooks like How to Crush Your Competitors and How to Produce High Converting Creative. Thanks again for listening to Ecom Growth Leaders. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content, so to make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show, and it means a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our website, fetchfunnel.com, or follow us on social. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.